Welcome, wrestling fans from around the world to In the Ring with Brandy. I'm your host, Brandy, and on this show, we talk about all things wrestling from AEW to Impact, Ring of Honor, WWE's Raw, SmackDown, NXT, NXT UK, and New Japan Pro Wrestling. On tonight's show, it is the pay per view extravaganza for SummerSlam and NXT TakeOver 36 for 821 and 822. So let's jump into the action first with SummerSlam for 821. The kickoff show, we had Big E versus Baron Corbin. Now we know this view that was been going on with Baron Corbin and Big E. Baron Corbin, of course, did steal Big E's Money in the Bank contract on Raw the previous week. And there has been a little feud between Baron Corbin. We know Baron Corbin's been down on his luck as of late. We know what's been going on with Baron Corbin, and we know that apparently this is a deploy to try to make himself look better and feel better. So by stealing Big E's contract, it set up a feud between the two of them to end on the kickoff show. This is a great matchup, guys. We know how good Big E is in the ring, and we know Big E as of late has been on a on fire. He's been incredible, not only inside the ring, but outside the ring, and even better as the money in the bank will Holder, we've been waiting to see, is he going to cash in on somebody? Is it possible that he could cash in on somebody? And then Baron Corbin turns around and steals his money in the bank contract. Now, we've kind of all, some of us, not all of you, and some of you may disagree, and you may get on my, you know, my social media and tell me, hey, I don't agree with you. I don't think, that, you know, that you're right about this. This is how I feel about Baron Corbin. But in my personal opinion... Everything that's been going on with Baron Corbin, I kind of feel bad for the guy. I feel like the guy, you know, kind of did get cheated out of a few things and kind of, you know, you really kind of feel bad for him because, you know, he's just trying to, you know, get his luck back and trying to, you know, Im you know, improve himself and make himself better after he lost his crown to Shinsuke Nakamura. So you kind of feel bad for the guy, but then again, you're like, nah, I don't. But I do. I kind of feel like Baron Corbin just needs a good hug. That's what he needs. But when he steals Big E's Money in the Bank contract, which makes Big E, I mean, Big E earned this Money in the Bank contract. He worked hard in that ladder match to get it at Money in the Bank. And for Baron Corbin to have the audacity to turn around and steal Big E's Money in the Bank contract, thinking that he can cash in because he has it, Baron Corbin, you had a failed cash-in last time. What makes you think this time you're going to be even more successful, especially when it's not your money in the bank contract you're carrying? It's Big Eats. But anyways, this is an incredible match. If you guys have not seen it yet, my listeners out there need to go check it out because it is a great you know, kickoff, great match for the kickoff show. It's a great way to, you know, either end this feud or make this feud even bigger. You're wondering, is Big E going to get his money in the bank contract back? Is Baron Corbin going to win and get to keep it? Your mind is racing as to exactly what WWE creatives are going to come up with. But they come up with an excellent fight between Baron Corbin and Big E. It's a great match. It's an incredible match. Great way to start the kickoff show. Great way to say I'll start off SummerSlam. It's a great match. It ends, of course, with Big E not only winning the match, but also getting his Money in the Bank contract back from Baron Corbin. You kind of feel bad for the guy because every other thing that Baron Corbin has tried, he's been unsuccessful. And now he's unsuccessful with this. You kind of feel bad for the guy, but then again, you're like, eh, he had it coming. He should never have messed with Big E. So you kind of, you know, it, it was an interesting little feud, a short little feud, but it was a good feud. And I liked it. The match was incredible. I liked it. Great way to start the kickoff show. 
Now we get into the main, main show, SummerSlam. And our first match of the night is RK-Bro versus AJ Styles and almost for the Raw Tag Team titles. We've been seeing this feud going on for a while. And Randy Orton, of course, he was gone for a little bit. He come back. He told Matt Riddle that he didn't want to team up with him anymore. And then all of a sudden, you know, Riddle got Randy's respect. And that, to me, says a lot coming from the Viper. You don't, I mean, you really got to earn your respect from the Viper. You really got to show what you really can do to Randy Orton for Randy Orton to respect you and want to team with you. We know how Randy is when it comes to a tag team. We've seen what he's done in the past with Bray Wyatt. We've seen what he's done in the past with Edge. We know how he is when he's in a tag team. It only goes so far before Randy finally shows his true colors and flips the script. So it's going to be interesting to see how long Randy and Matt Riddle will hold as a tag team before Randy decides to flip the script on Riddle and turn into the Viper that we all know. But then again, you've got AJ Styles and almost on the other side. These two are incredible. They are literally a great tag team. And they've managed to keep defending those titles and hanging on to those titles because of AJ's Colossus almost. This guy, when he first came into the scene, I was not quite sure how he was going to be because he didn't really wrestle. He just kind of helped AJ out when he needed, and the first time he got in the ring, there wasn't much so much action you saw out of him. It was mostly AJ. But then, a few months ago, he shocked me. He actually got in there and showed what kind of wrestling and in-ring skills he had, and he impressed me. After that, him and AJ have literally been on fire. They've been incredible. I've loved watching these two work together. I've loved seeing how they can do. On the flip side, every time Riddle and Randy have been together, it's been absolutely, as AJ would put it, phenomenal. They have been incredible as a tag team. And as their backstage banter, I love it. I absolutely love it. Every time Randy gets him to be quiet, I love it. Anytime that you can get Riddle to stop going on a tirade about burritos or about scooters or something like that, I love you. I absolutely love when you do this. It's incredible. These two teams, I was actually surprised at how good this match was going to be. It was an incredible match. It was well-deserved match for the Raw Tag Team titles. It was incredible. These four men really showcased what they could do, not only as individuals, but also as tag teams. And you weren't quite sure how RK-Bro would, you know, whether it would be able to hold together, whether it would be able to mesh well. You weren't sure. Riddle and Randy blew my mind. The two of them together is like, you sitting back like a little kid going, ooh, ooh, I love this. It was incredible. It was an incredible match. If you did not get to see it, go on your social media and look it up. I promise you, you're going to be just like the rest of us in the WWE Universe going, this is an incredible tag team match. And it really was, especially for the Raw Tag Team titles. It was incredible. Absolutely incredible. But it ends with, RK-Bro claiming the Raw Tag Team titles. They defeated AJ Styles and almost in an incredible win. It was incredible. The feeling, the crowd, it was amazing. And I got to give props to Matt Riddle because he really did show me what he can do, not only with Randy, but as a regular singles in-ring performer. He really showed that he could work with Randy, he could work well, he could you know do what he needed to do to get that win. And it was impressive. 
absolutely impressive. Congratulations to RK Bro. I am looking forward to seeing where you're going to go next with these Raw Tag Team titles. So we know the feud that's been going on with Alexa Bliss, Dewdrop, and Ava Marie. We know what happened last week when Dewdrop, of course, picked up with Lily and handed Lily back, handed her back to Alexa. And then Alexa, later on, Ava smacks Dewdrop not once, but twice. And Dewdrop finally has had, I mean, pretty much I think has had enough. She's had enough of Ava, you know, stealing her spotlight. She's had enough of Ava trying to claim, you know, the, she is the one that's doing all the work. Dewdrop has just had enough. So now she's basically telling Ava, you go out there, you find Alexa. Let's see if you can do better than me. I was skeptical about this because we've never really seen, we know what Eva can do. We've seen that, you know, we've heard that she's trained with NXT, you know, superstars, that she, you know, she's gotten her in-ring performance better. They've not really utilized her. And I kind of feel bad for Eva because I really know what Eva's capable of, what this girl could really do in a ring, and they're not letting her do it. And that, to me, bugs me. Because when she, the first time she was there, they did this exact same thing to her, and that's why she left. Because pretty much, she was getting used as, oh, a beautiful object for every man to look at. And, I'm sorry, that to me is disrespectful to a woman. Some of you guys may think, oh, well, they're just, I don't care what WWE thinks they're doing. They need to give Ava Marie more respect and more credit than what they're giving her. Because this girl's good. She, she's not only good in the business world, but she's good when she's given the opportunity to actually wrestle. She could actually go somewhere with this. So I thought, okay, maybe with them putting her against Alexa Bliss, Alexa Bliss will bring out that side. We'll get to see Ava do a great job in the ring. We'll finally get to see what kind of skills she was taught in NXT, and we'll finally get to see what she can do. It's a great match, guys. It is an absolutely good match. It could have been better had they gave Ava a little bit more, you know, ability to move in the ring. Alexa did circles around her. Alexa really did. Alexa showed her, you've got to get better than this girl. You've got to step up and say, look, WWE, I'm not taking this anymore. You're going to let me wrestle. You're going to let me show this world that I can not only conquer the business world, but I can conquer the wrestling world. That's pretty much how I felt. And Alexa was trying to get her to really show her skills. And to me, Ava wasn't really, didn't have her one really in it. It just didn't feel like it was in it at all. It was like she was there to get pinned. And to me, that's what it seemed like. It seemed like she was there to get pinned. Of course, you know, she showed a couple of, you know, a couple of skills of what she can do. And I was impressed with what she did show. But what I wasn't impressed with was the fact that she didn't really showcase what she really learned from the NXT superstars over the Performance Center. To me, it just seemed like WWE just put her in there, like I said before, to get pinned. And I've told all my listeners out there how I feel about the women's division. I stand by every woman in that division. Every woman in any division, in any promotion, I stand by them. So by saying that, I feel like Ava is getting cheated out of an opportunity to show what she can really do. She's basically being shown as an object for everyone to look at and to gawk at. And to me, that is disrespectful to a woman. Any woman. I don't care. It's disrespectful.
But the match was incredible with Alexa and Dewdrop trying to get Ava to show what she could do. And it's like Ava's heart was just not in it. One point she picked up Lily and, you know, she's kind of shaking her around a little bit. Alexa's watching her. She throws Lily down. Alexa gets Lily back up on the right, so, you know, up on the side of the ring where she's sitting. Dewdrop's trying to, you know, come on, Ava, show what you can do. Don't put your money where your mouth is. The whole time, uh, to me, it's just like Alexa was running circles around her. Alexa was just running. So there was no point in even having this match if Ava wasn't going to wrestle. It's no point. But it was a good match for Alexa. It was a great match for Alexa. It really showed people of the world what Alexa's capable of doing. Of course, if you haven't figured out, Alexa did win that match. But what happened afterwards was absolutely hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. Because after Alexa walked out with Lily, Dewdrop grabs the mic, walks over, and says, And the loser of this match is Eva Marie! Then she grabs her pink little robe, and she always wears with the hood, puts it on, and starts dissing her as she walks off and leaves Eva in the middle of the floor by the ring. Absolutely humiliated. Thank goodness that Piper, a.k.a. Dewdrop, finally stood up for herself and said, I've had enough of being your little play. I've had enough of being your pawn on your little chessboard. I'm going to do things my way. And my way is, I'm going to beat you up. That's my way. I love it. I absolutely love it. Way to go, Dewdrop, for standing up to your, for yourself and showing you know, showing Ava where you stand. I love it. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with Ava and Dewdrop. It's going to be interesting to see what they do with Dewdrop. It's going to be really interesting because we all know, and for those of you who don't, go look her up. Dewdrop is an incredible in-ring performer. She was known as Piper. She was incredible. Absolutely, if you want to go see her, look up Piper or Dewdrop, whichever one you want to see, and you will see just how good she is. She's really showcased what she can do in WWE since she can't. But I think they could do a little bit more with her, and I think the sky's the limit as to where she could go within the women's division. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with her and Ava, and if they're finally going to let Ava do what Ava's capable of doing. It's going to be interesting to see. So then we move on to the United States title. It's Damian Priest versus Sheamus. We know this feud between Damian Priest and Sheamus has been going on for a while. Damian Priest doesn't like bullies, and he never has. In any promotion he's ever been in, he's never liked bullies. Even in real life, he doesn't like bullies. So, and we love Damian Priest. We really do. We all know Sheamus has really been acting like a bully. But if any of you know Sheamus, when he is a champ, he is literally electrifying. He's incredible as a champion. He can really showcase what he can do, not only outside the ring, but in the ring, on a mic or not on a mic, he can really show what he can do. We all know that's how Sheamus is. When Sheamus and Roman had their feud, that's how Sheamus was. That's just who Sheamus is. But Damian Priest is not as had enough. He's tired of him bullying everybody on the roster back there, and he's making sure Sheamus knows where he stands. This is an incredible match. Damian Priest's entrance was absolutely 
absolutely amazing. And the pop he got, it was incredible. We all know what he can do. We've seen him at WrestleMania with Bad Bunny. We know what he's capable of doing. But this time, Damian Priest really got to show what he could do. And he really gave Sheamus a run for his money. It was an incredible match between two great in-ring superstars who were really showing what they could do and what they were capable of when a title was on the line. It was amazing. It was incredible. I highly recommend, if you've not seen this, go on your social media and check this out because it is an amazing match between two great WWE superstars, and I absolutely loved it. Of course, it did end with a new United States champion. Damian Priest got the United States champion. It's going to be interesting to see him as United States champion and what he's going to do to change the whole gimmick and the whole state of mind of the United States Championship. I think Damian Priest is going to bring some prestigious and you know, prestigious status and stuff to that championship. I think he's going to go pretty, you know, really far with this championship. I foresee him, you know, being a United States champ for quite a bit. And I think he's going to really bring some, you know, some recognition and some, you know, good characteristics back to the United States title. And it's going to be interesting to see what he does. It's going to be incredible. And it's going to be interesting to see where Seamus feels about losing a title to Damian Priest. So we interesting to see where this goes. We're going to have to watch and find out what happens on Monday Night Raw in the aftermath of SummerSlam. We're going to have to wait and see. So then we move on to the SmackDown Tag Team Titles, the Usos versus the Mysterios. This is their rematch. We saw what happened at Money in the Bank, where the Mysterios lost, and they lost in a very, very, oh, if you've not seen this yet, you guys need to go look at it, because to me, this was absolutely I mean, it's a heel move. We knew this was going to happen. This is what the Usos do when they're heels. But to me, this was a bad way for the Mysterios to lose. By Jay basically sliding in there and holding his brother into position where the ref couldn't see him with his feet up against his brother to keep him in place for the three count. And the Usos, of course, have had that problem where the Mysterios, Dominic Mysterio, has been doing the same thing. Guess what, Usos? Payback is a bitch, and you're going to get it whether you like it or not. You do this to them, turn about it's fair play, all is fair in love and war. That's how it's going to work. But this match was a good match. It really was. It was a great rematch between two good tag teams, and of all things, for the SmackDown tag team titles. It was a great match. Of course, from the beginning, I already had a pretty good idea who was going to win. I had no doubt in my mind who was going to win, but then there was sometimes in that match, I kind of changed my mind. I thought, well, maybe the other team's got a shot at it. Maybe there's a possibility. You know, it flip-flopped back and forth, and as a wrestling fan, I love those kind of matches where you got your mindset on, hey, this team's going to win. And then halfway through the match, you think, wait a minute, I could be wrong. My opinion has just changed. This other team could win. I like those kind of matches where it has you second-guessing your own idea of who's going to win. It was an incredible match. Those kind of matches, as a wrestling fan, I love. I love where I'm swayed different, different ways each throughout the match. Not quite sure. Pretty sure that I think I have a good idea, and then I get switched. I like that. If you guys want to go check out this match, 
Go check it out. It's an incredible match. It's an amazing matchup. I love it. I think you guys will too. It's incredible. Of course, it does end with the Russos retaining. But the Mysterios, they really had me believing halfway through the match. And, you know, in and out through the match that they might actually get this one. They had me believing. And having me believing makes me feel very good about this team. Makes me feel really good about Ray and Dominic. Because I'm telling you. The Mysterios are incredible. If you guys have not seen them, if you've not seen Dominic, you would be you would be absolutely amazed to go check him out because Dominic Mysterio's got some potential. He's got some really good in ring experience. He's you know he's wrestled with some some of the best, including Seth Rollins. He's been really good. So don't 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 look past him. You know, don't give up on the on Mysterios yet. There's still hope for them to get the tag team titles back. But it just wasn't in the cards tonight. It just, and like I said, when the match started, I was with the Usos. But halfway through, like I said, the Mysterios gave me hope that they might actually win their tag titles back. Of course, like I said, they didn't. But I like those kind of matches where you have a little bit of hope for the team that you didn't think was going to win. I like those kind of matches. I look forward to those matches. It gets incredible when it's like that. And that's how it shows the competitiveness of a team. It really does. It shows how these two tag how good these two tag teams are. It really does. So apparently Rick Boogs is in the ring. And he's playing his music and jamming out. We love when Boogs is out there. Because when Boogs is out there, Pat McAfee is on freaking fire. I love when he's on commentary. I love when Rick Boogs is out there. Because he's like he's at a rock concert. I absolutely love it. And of course, Shinsuke Nakamura comes out. You have no idea what the... Pat's doing some things you're not used to seeing McAfee do. And I love it. I, like I told you guys, when McAfee first was announced as a commentator... I was skeptical because I, we all know Pat McAfee's reputation in NXT. And we weren't quite sure how Pat was going to do. I mean, he's a fantastic podcaster. He really puts his heart and soul into everything that he does. So I was thinking, okay, maybe Pat won't be, you know, I'm not quite sure how he's going to be. I love Pat McAfee on commentary. I love what looking for. I look forward to SmackDown every week because I look forward to seeing what Pat's going to do next. I look forward to what he's going to say, what he's going to do. I love it. But, like that, I said, it's Rick Bill. Rick Boots is in the ring. It's an incredible little thing. Shinsuke comes out. They have their little thing. You know, we're you know, we love Shinsuke Nakamura. I love Rick Boogs. So I'm kind of liking where WWE is going with this. I like this little combination, and I like that they're using Pat McAfee in it. It gets a little interesting, and you look forward to what these three are going to do next. And poor Michael Cole, bless his little heart. I, I, he doesn't know what to think of Pat McAfee. I mean, he really doesn't. Michael Cole doesn't know what McAfee he's going to do next, and I love it. I love these two together, because it's interesting to see how they do together, you know, on commentary. I love it. It's absolutely hilarious. If you've not seen it, go look it up. Go look up Michael Cole and Pat McAfee. Look at some of his greatest moments, and you'll see what I mean. It's absolutely hilarious. So now we move on to the SmackDown Women's Championship. Bianca Belair versus Sasha Banks. Bianca comes out looking absolutely incredible and ready to fight for her title. And we all know this feud between her and Sasha Banks has heated up. Since WrestleMania, it has literally been on the edge of a knife. We've been waiting for this to happen. Of course, we knew Sasha Banks went out after WrestleMania. She returned looking absolutely incredible and amazing. You know, made it perfectly uh, made it perfectly clear she wants a shot back at her SmackDown you know, Women's Championship. 
We knew it was coming. It was absolutely incredible. We were stoked about this match. We could not wait to see WrestleMania match all over at SummerSlam. Well, Bianca gets in there, and of course, we are told Sasha Banks is not medically cleared to perform at SummerSlam. We all were in shock. I was in shock. I mean, I'm like, we knew something was going on with Sasha prior to SummerSlam, but they had not changed the lineup. They had not said anything, so we assumed that Sasha had been medically cleared. It was gone. all up to this point. It was the talk of Sasha Banks versus Bianca Belair. All of a sudden, they hit us with a curveball that we weren't expecting. And I was a little mad at WWE for letting this go on all this time, knowing dang well Sasha Banks was not going to be there. Knowing that she was not going to be there to face Bianca. And Bianca was kind of a little upset, too. And so was the Vegas crowd. They were a little upset, especially when they announced who Bianca would be defending her title against. The most beautiful woman in WWE, Carmella. Really? Really? There are a ton of other women in that back in that locker room that deserve a shot at Bianca Belair. You get Carmella? Carmella! And the WWE Universe in Vegas made it perfectly clear they did not like the idea of Carmilla versus Bianca Belair. That was a smack in the face to Bianca, and that was a smack in the face to Sasha Banks. Banks deserved a better opponent taking her place than Carmilla. We had seen this show. We had done this show. I'm not saying Carmilla isn't a good in-ring performer. Carmilla is amazing. She is absolutely incredible. But you've got other women back there. Naomi, Selena Vega. You've got a lot of other women back there. You know, Tony Storm. Other women that deserve a shot at this title. And you pick Carmilla? And the fans in Vegas booed her out of the arena. It was absolutely unbelievable to hear this crowd booing like they were. The boos were so loud, I'm pretty sure they heard it outside the arena. I know they heard it in the back. It was loud, and Bianca was not happy about it. Bianca was not happy about it at all. But then WWE, in their famous fashion, swerved us again and swerved Vegas, and they got Carmilla good. Because the next thing you hear is the man's music hit. Yes, you heard me correctly. Becky Lynch's music hit and out she comes. The entire arena went from booze to the loudest pop of the night. Beyond Carmella was in shock. Carmella never saw Becky Lynch returning. We knew she was coming back, but we didn't know when and we didn't know where. Was she going to show up at Raw? and challenge the winner of the Raw, you know, women's division match? Was she going to show up in SmackDown? We weren't sure. We were skeptical when she was going to show up and where she was going to show up. We weren't sure. Becky got a pop, and Carmella was in shock, but Bianca was starstruck. She was so, I mean, you could see it on her face. She was so happy to see Becky Lynch. It was like, I finally get to see somebody that I've idolized, and she's coming to the ring. I love it. I, I mean, to me, I was like, I goosebumps. I was excited because of the way, Car because of the way that Bianca looked. Bianca was so happy. She was like a little kid. You, you could just see her, the excitement building up in her to get to see Becky return at SummerSlam. To her, that was huge. To me, that was big. And the crowd made it perfectly clear that they were happy to see Becky 
come out. Now, we weren't sure what Becky was going to do. She got, you know, she you know, intermingled with the crowd for a minute, got in the ring, smiled at Bianca. Bianca smiled back, you know, like a little kid who just met, you know, her favorite, you know, with being her favorite fan. She was excited. You could see it, the smile on Bianca's face. Carmella was not happy to see Becky come out there. Becky turns around, looks at Bianca, and goes, One second. One second. Turns around and takes Carmella out. I mean, takes her out. It was an OMG moment. You guys have got, if you've not seen this, you've got to watch it. It's an incredible little segment. And I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Because Bianca even loved watching her take Carmella out. Yay! Carmella's out. Nice. So then Becky turns around. Ah, Bex, the man. We love when the man shows up. When the man comes to town, it gets interesting. And she turns around. And after she turns around, she tells Bianca, hey, while I'm in here, why don't we have a match for the SmackDown Women's Championship? What do you say? Bianca likes the idea. She's like, oh, I get to go against Becky Lynch. Hey, I like this. This looks good. This might be an opportunity, you know, to, you know, wrestle with someone who's good. I mean, Becky's fantastic. And Bianca would get just, you know, somebody knew that Bianca's never wrestled before. Somebody, you know, that she's probably heard in the locker room the talks of the man and how good, and, you know, she's watched her on the screen. She knows what Becky's capable of. And now she's thinking, hey, I get to showcase to Becky what I can do. And meanwhile, Sasha can be watching this the whole time, really hey, I'm the EST of WWE, and I'm facing, you know, one of your friends. Watch this. So, of course, it goes from being Becky, uh, Bianca Bella versus Carmella to Becky versus Carmella, or versus Bianca. Excuse me, correction, Bianca. It's an incredible but interesting thing, because what happens next is when she reaches over to shake her hand, Becky swerves her. Becky pins her over 26 seconds, guys. You can count it on your fingers. 26 seconds, and Becky becomes the SmackDown Women's Championship. Champion. She beats Bianca Belair in 26 seconds. That's all it took. That's all it took. Bianca's in shock. We're all excited because now the man is champ again. We're excited about this. Bianca's not happy. Now, in a side thing, some of you guys are probably going to give your, and I would love to hear your opinion on this, on this match. I really would, because really, to me, it wasn't really a match. It was kind of a, eh, we're going to put Becky back in the driver's seat. I love Becky. I do. I know what Becky's capable of. You can, you know, no matter how you slice it, WWE has tried to make her heal so much. When they try, WWE Universe still loves her. It doesn't matter what you do. They're not going to hate Becky Lynch. It's just not going to happen. You've tried this. I don't know why you're trying it again. All you're going to do is fire them up and get them loving her even more. Because it doesn't matter what Becky does. We love her. We absolutely love her. Whether she's heel, face, in between, we don't care. We love her. And the crowd makes it perfectly clear they love Becky. No matter what she just 26 second win, they didn't care. They were happy. Becky's champ. Me, it wasn't really fair to Bianca because Bianca should have gotten a better fight and get to show what she really can do, just like she did with Sasha, to show what she can really do with Becky. And, you know, kind of give us an idea of, you know, is Becky still got ring rust, you know, since she's been gone? You know, is, Be is Becky still, you know, the same Becky that she was when she left? Is she still the mine? We, you know, we're kind of wondering. 
going to be interesting to see what happens with Bianca Belair and Becky Lynch and where this is going to go. And is any of the other women in the back going to take offense to Becky coming back and stepping to the front of the line and stealing their moment? Who knows? To me, Becky deserved... Becky never really lost her title. She had to drop the Raw Women's title, and we all know why. And she couldn't have dropped it to anybody better than Asuka. And we knew. We knew that when Becky came back, she would want an opportunity to be a champ again because she really didn't get to be a champ as long as she would have liked to. And we get that. You're a mom. You know, you're, you, we get it. But now... She's back in the driver's seat, and we really think that it's going to be interesting to see what happens between her and Bianca, because to me, a 22nd Ross is not going to sit well with Bianca Belair. It's just not going to sit well, because to me, in Bianca's mind, it was a slap in the face from WWE creative. To them, it was like, oh, Becky's back. Let's pull Bianca out, and let's put Becky back in the spotlight. It's not going to set well with Bianca Belair. I just don't think it is. But it was good to see Becky back. I'm happy to see Becky back. It's going to be interesting to see what Becky does. You know, it's going to be interesting to see where this goes. It's going to be really interesting to see what's going to happen between her and the other women in the locker room with her being champ. It doesn't matter what WWE does. They're going to keep trying to make her a heel, and we're going to continue to love her. It's just the side it is. We love our we love our mind. We want to see what she can do. Because literally, we know what she's capable of, and it's going to be interesting to see what she can actually do now that she's back. And if anything has changed, or what's happened, it's going to be interesting to see. So then we move on. We know what's going on between Jinder Mahal and Drew McIntyre. This feud has been absolutely incredible. This feud has been, we've been waiting. We saw the feud between Drew and Sheamus, and that was a great feud. But we've most of us have been waiting to see Drew's other friend, Jinder Mahal, and what him and Drew might have, because they've always been together. 3 and B, you know, they've always been close to each other. So to see them on opposite sides against each other, because it's been an interesting feud, and it culminated to this match. Jinder Mahal versus Drew McIntyre. Veer and Shanky were barred from ringside, and we all know that happened last week on Raw when they lost their you know, two-on-one handicap match against, against Drew. If Drew had lost, he wouldn't have been able to have you know, Angela, his sword, there. But he does have his sword. Of course, Veer and Shanky are not in the match. It's an incredible match between Drew and Jinder. Absolutely incredible match, guys. It is an amazing match between these two. Could have been better between him and Jinder like it was with him and Sheamus. Him and Sheamus' match seemed to be more competitive. More, you know, we're going to beat the heck out of each other. We're going to tear each other down. Jinder and Drew was kind of like, you know, a little slobber knocker between the two of them. You know, a little spit spat. And they were done. You know, the match was incredible. It really was a good match. But like I said, it could have been better. It could have really been better. But it was a great way to possibly end this feud between Jinder and Drew. It was a great way. And without Veer and Shanky there, it kind of was a fair fight between Jinder Mahal, the modern-day Maharaja, and Drew McIntyre, the Scottish, you know, Scottish warrior. It was a great match. Of course, it did end with Drew McIntyre winning that match. I was happy to see Drew finally get one over on Jinder Mahal. I was happy to see that because you know, Veer and Shanky, they've been a problem. You know, and it's been very hard for Drew to get one over on Jinder with Veer and Shanky in the way. But after the match, Veer and Shanky come out to help Drew, Jinder. They come out to help him. 
And they all three of them step up and are getting ready to go to Drew. And Drew grabs Angela and swings for the fences. When he does, they literally scatter out of the ring. They are scared of this sword. They are terrified of what Drew could possibly do with this sword. They are scared of Drew McIntyre with this sword. They now know Drew means business. You step to me, I'm going to beat you up. There's no question, no answer. You're going to get what's coming to you if you step to me. And I think Gender, Veer, and Shanky have finally figured out Maybe we shouldn't mess with Drew. Maybe this is the wrong time to be going after Drew McIntyre. Maybe we need to wait and play our cards right. It's going to be interesting as to whether they continue this food feud between them or if they let Jinder Mahal move on to something bigger and better. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. So now we go to the match that I told you guys I was kind of worried about. It's just to me, I don't think it's fair to the champ. Because you, from the beginning, when this whole thing started, I told you WWE's playing favoritism. And I, I stand by my women's division, I do. And the match I'm talking about is the Raw Women's Championship Triple Threat match. Between Nikki Ash, who is the champion, versus Charlotte Flair versus Rhea Ripley. I've told you guys from the very beginning, I feel to me that Nikki and the rest of the women in the Raw division are getting cheated out by the favoritism toward Charlotte Flair. I'm not saying Charlotte Flair isn't a good competitor. She is. She's incredible. She's absolutely amazing. But she keeps getting put into the championship picture. Everyone else is falling to the wayside because of Charlotte. To me, that seems like, and you guys may disagree, my listeners out there in the podcast world and the WWE universe may disagree that with this. But to me... As a women's wrestling fan, they're playing favorites towards Charlotte. They keep putting Charlotte into title pictures. And to me, she hasn't earned a single one. She's been handed every single one because of her flair name. Because they're so afraid that if they don't, Charlotte's going to leave WWE and go to another promotion where she will shine and they will lose out on a golden opportunity. To me, it's just not fair to some of the other women in the locker room that she's getting pushed to the front. And Oh, she, we want to keep her. We're scared to lose her. So we're going to just slide her into a title picture. It's not fair to Nikki, who is the champ who cashed in her money in the bank contract and won that title. And it's not fair to Rhea Ripley, who has been a champ and showcased what she can do and has lost to Charlotte. It's not fair to these other two women. In triple threat matches, it's never fair for the champion and it's never fair for the other opponent that's involved in it. But when you put Charlotte Flair into it, it's not fair for either one of the women that are involved with her. It's not fair to them. And it's the truth. This match is, to me... It's absolutely, I mean, to me, it's not even really a match. It's, it's a squash to me. It, just, it really was not fair to Nikki, and it wasn't fair to Rhea. And if you can take from that what I'm saying, then you know who the winner of this match was. Charlotte Flair does get the Raw Women's Championship back. To me, that was absolutely a smack in the face to Rhea, and that was a smack in the face to Nikki. They deserved better than what they got. And though Charlotte should never have been in the picture to begin with, it should have been just Nikki and Rhea giving them an opportunity for Nikki not only to get a new opponent that she's never faced, but also a chance for Rhea to show what she can do with Nikki Cross, a.k.a. Nikki Ash. To me, 
that was not fair to those two women. Putting Charlotte into it, we all knew from the beginning Charlotte had this match. They were going to give it to Charlotte. Here you go. Take the title. It's yours. It's not fair. And I feel bad for the other women in the division because with Becky being on SmackDown, there's not really anybody that I can think of other than Rhea that could actually take on Charlotte and maybe possibly beat her. Charlotte pretty much has got control of the women's division and there's no getting past her because WWE isn't going to let her win. Isn't going to let anyone, they're not going to let her lose. They're going to let everybody win, you know, let her win over everyone else. And the reason why I say this, Everybody knows what I'm talking about, but for those of you who don't, the reason why I have such a big problem with this is when Rhea was champ, Rhea did what Charlotte does every time she's champion. Rhea got DQ'd when she was champ. And Charlotte got another opportunity because Pierce and DeVille said, that's not how a champ acts. But if the roles had been reversed, we all know if Charlotte had done that smack on the wrist, oh, Charlotte, it's okay. What isn't good for the goose is good for the gander. So if Charlotte cheats, Charlotte should have to get a rematch against whoever she fights. I'm not liking this. I'm not liking the favoritism toward Charlotte Flair. I know the reason they're doing it, and I don't like it. To me, it's not fair to Charlotte either because Charlotte is a good in-ring performer. She's a great woman's wrestler. And to me, they're using her and they are. They're using her so that they don't lose her. That's the problem. That is the problem I have with WWE and this whole thing with Charlotte. They're using her so they don't lose her. And to me, that's not fair to Charlotte. And that's not fair to every other woman in the back who wants an opportunity to shine and be, and be Raw Women's Champion. That's just not fair. That's how I feel about it. You guys may disagree. And if you do, get on your social media and tell me. Get on there and tell me what you think. But in my opinion, that's what it looks like. That, to me, is exactly what it looks like. Nick Khan does not want to lose her, so he's going to use her to keep her there. That's why he's going to make sure that she keeps that title so she doesn't go somewhere else. And we all know where that somewhere else is. And he's afraid that's where she's going to go. Moving on. Edge versus Seth Rollins. We saw Friday night what Edge is capable of. When he goes to the dark side, we know what he's capable of. He showcased it. He really showed it. And he showed Seth what happens when you push him too far. He really showed Seth, you push me too far. Now I'm going to show you what it's really like to step inside my world and see what my world's like. Because trust me, you're not going to like when there's no lights on and you're stuck in the dark fighting something you can't see. It was an incredible thing on SmackDown. So I was looking forward to this fight between Edge and Seth. And I was interested to see how Edge was going to come out after what he did Friday night. You all know what I'm talking about because you all caught my podcast two weeks ago. If you didn't, go look it up online. Go see what, what Edge did to Seth on SmackDown. And you'll know what I'm talking about. So this was going to be interesting. I was interested to see how Edge would come out. Would he come out to his, you think you know me? Or would he come out to something else? It's going to be interesting to see what he was going to do. So I was anticipating. But I knew this was going to be a great match. Edge and Seth, this feud has been going on for a while. And Edge and Seth, I really wanted to see these two go at it. Because these two are two of the best in WWE right now. Two of the best. So to see these two go against each other, it was going to be an incredible match. And I was looking forward to it. And they didn't disappoint me. 
Edge comes out. Seth comes out looking absolutely incredible. Seth looked incredible, guys. Go check out his entrance. Incredible. He absolutely shined. He looked incredible. Like the architect always does, he looked incredible. But when Edge come out, oh baby, it took me back. It took me back to the old WWF days. It took me back that far. He came out to the brood music, looking like brood Edge. It was absolutely incredible. And the fans were on their feet. It was absolutely amazing. This entrance took me back to the brood days with Gangrel and Christian. It was absolutely incredible. I loved it. He looked incredible. Seth looked incredible. This match was absolutely everything I thought it would be. It was absolutely two of the best in WWE right now taking on each other in a fight that was absolutely unpredictable. You didn't know where this was going to go. You weren't sure. You couldn't really pick a definitive winner from the beginning because both of them are so good. Both of them are so amazing. You weren't sure what Seth was going to do, and you definitely weren't sure what Brood Edge was going to do. You had no idea. These two are so good at manipulating that you didn't know who was manipulating who. You had no idea. It, I mean, we all knew that Seth made it perfectly clear. He got the opportunity. He was going to stomp Edge into the mat. We all knew that. Edge had a counter for every time Seth tried to stomp him. Every time Edge had a counter. When Edge would try to do something, Seth would have a counter. These two knew each other so well that they actually made this match absolutely one of the best matches of SummerSlam. They made it absolutely incredible to watch. I loved it. It was amazing. It was a great match between these two. And I absolutely loved it. Of course, it did end with Edge winning that match. Seth was not happy about it. And I know Seth. He's not going to let this slide down. He's not going to let losing to Edge sit well with him. He's just not going to do it. He's gone. He's the architect. He's a mastermind. He comes up with something. And I'm telling you, the feud between him and Edge is far from over. It's just getting heated up. And it's going to escalate into something that we're not even prepared for. And it's going to be something that's really going to catch our mind, catch our eyes and tease our minds. And we're going to be like, whoa. Because this is just the beginning of what these two are going to do to each other. This is just the icing on the cake. There's no telling what's going to happen next, and it's going to be interesting to see what they do next. But, of course, Edge, like I said, did win that match. But it was an incredible match, and you guys need to go check it out. I promise you, it was the best match of SummerSlam, and I really liked it. So, Miz and Morrison, they're in the ring. They said they were going to do something. And we all, we love Miz and Morrison. They've absolutely been fantastic together as a tag team. I've loved them two together. Uh, Miz is absolutely, anything Miz does is incredible. Anything, when you put Morrison with them, it gets even better. It's incredible. It's incredible to watch these two interact. I love it. But, of course, they said they were going to do something. And they let us know that they brought the Dripstick 2000. You heard me correctly, the Dripstick 2000. And they're going to show it to the entire SummerSlam and WWE Universe. They're ready to go. They're happy. But then they realize neither one of them have it. Morrison doesn't have the Dripstick 2000 and neither does Miz. And they're trying to figure out, wait a minute, did we leave it in the truck? Where is it? What happened? Where is it? Where did it go? They don't know. Well, out comes Xavier Woods from the New Day. 
dressed like Scott Hall. Hey, yo. I mean, absolutely dressed like Scott Hall. I love the absolute great tribute to the legend Scott Hall. I loved it. And he comes out. He's got the Dripstick 2000 strapped to his back. Ms. and Morrison are trying to convince him to give it back. That they, you know, they don't want to deal with Xavier Woods. They don't want to deal with it. They don't want to have to deal with Xavier at all. So Xavier asks the crowd in a poll, Hey, yo, should I spray them with the Dripstick 2000 or should I give it back? He pulled a famous Scott Hall poll. Pole. The Scott Hall used to always do in WWE. And we love what Scott Hall used to do. He even added in the, hey, yo. I loved it. Absolutely incredible. Had the toothpick in his mouth. I loved it. He asked the crowd, and the crowd gave a unanimous response in this poll that they wanted him to spray Ms. and Morrison with the Dripstick 2000. And he does exactly that. He drowns Ms. and Morrison in the middle of that ring. Drowns them, soaks them. They're in the, you know, Ms. is in a nice suit. He wipes that suit out. Poor Ms. I wanted to hug him. And Morrison, I wanted to hug him. They're just not having any luck. And when you're dealing with Xavier Woods, that's even, we all know how crazy New Day is. So, you can only imagine, this is going to be interesting. Are they setting up a feud between Ms. Morrison and the New Day? I would like that. I would kind of like to see Ms. and Morrison versus Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods. That would be an interesting matchup. Especially with Xavier acting like Scott, you know, doing his tribute to Scott Hall. I would love that. I absolutely would love that. Now, if what would be even cooler is if Kofi Kingston came out looking like Kevin Nash. I would absolutely love that. That would be incredible. I would love it. He could even come out as Jake the Snake Roberts. I would love Diamond Dallas Page. I would love that. That would be absolutely incredible to see. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with Miz and Morrison and Xavier Woods and Kofi Kingston. It's going to be interesting to see where this goes. But like I said, they got drowned by the Drip, drip Stick 2000. And it's an absolute, absolutely hilarious segment. You guys need to check it out. It's hilarious. So then we move on. WWE Championship. Bobby Lashley versus Bill Goldberg. Now, guys, I told y'all how I felt about this. I told y'all how I felt about John Cena and Goldberg coming back to WWE for this, for this, for this pay-per-view. I felt, and I'm going to say it one more time, I felt like it was a slap in the face to Roman Reigns and a slap in the face to Bobby Lashley. And I'm going to tell you why one more time. Because Lashley and Roman have been carrying Raw and SmackDown all this time as champions. They've defended their titles at every pay-per-view. Heck, they've even defended them on SmackDown and Raw. They have showcased both of them as champions what they're capable of and what they can do. And then you turn around and you bring back two part-timers part-timers, John Cena, and Goldberg to go against these two. To me, that was not fair to Bobby Lashley, and that was not fair to Roman Reigns. You are disrespecting two great champions, two USCB and Hall of Famers. You are disrespecting them, and you're making their, their championship reign look like it means nothing, like they're not doing their job. And to me, that's not fair to Roman, and that's not fair to Bobby Lashley, because both of them are incredible champions, and I love them as champions right now. They both are fantastic. So for you to put them against two part-timers for their titles, that's not fair. 
That's not fair to Roman, and that's not fair to Lashley. That's like smacking them both in the face and saying, you're worthless. You mean nothing. You're absolutely not mean nothing to WWE. You don't even belong in WWE. That, to me, is how it comes up from Nick Khan and the board of directors. That, to me, is how it comes up. Not taking anything away from Cena, and not taking anything from away from Goldberg. They're both great in-ring competitors when they were there full-time. Now they're not there, and we know the reputation of part-timers who get titles. They don't stay around. They take off with the title, and we don't see it on Raw or SmackDown. And you guys all know what part-timer I'm referencing to, Brock Lesnar. We know what that man did when he was champion. Heck, he missed a lot of pay-per-views because he didn't want to defend it. He wanted to defend it on his terms. Brock Lesnar's no longer there. We're kind of, you know, all like, okay, okay, okay. We can breathe a sigh of relief. We've not seen him in a while. That's good. But then you turn around and bring Cena and Goldberg back. To me, that's the same thing as Brock Lesnar. You're bringing two part-timers in. One who is, you know, a Hollywood superstar, and the other that is a car enthusiast who builds car, you know, cars for a living. To me, that's not fair to either one of them. To me, that's a blatant disrespect. But then we move on to the WWE Championship between Bobby Lashley and Goldberg. It's an incredible match. It really was. I was absolutely impressed with what Lashley... And Lashley really showed what he could do. Lashley really showed he could go toe-to-toe with a Hall of Famer. He really proved that he could really go toe-to-toe with Goldberg. That he hadn't missed a step. Goldberg really showed, hey, I might be a part-timer, but I can keep up with the best of them. He really showed what he could do. But, but I digress. He really didn't have his ducks in a row. He really wasn't really paying attention. He re- There was some ring rust to him. And he really underestimated the WWE champion. He underestimated what MVP and Bobby Lashley were capable of. And when you get into a ring with Bobby Lashley, ask Kofi Kingston what happens when you underestimate Lashley. He gets one up on you. And Lashley beat the living heck out of Goldberg. He showed Goldberg what he truly is capable of when he is mad. He showed it. He absolutely showed it. And MVP shows what happens when you underestimate him. Because he got Goldberg too. He literally got him. He hit him with a cane behind his leg. He's been having, we know Goldberg's been having issues with that left leg. He's had some issues with that knee. We saw it when he faced Drew McIntyre not too long ago that he was having some really big issues with that knee. With that knee. We've seen it when he faced Roman. He's had some issues. With, he's had some issues with that knee for years now. And we know it. And MVP apparently had been doing his homework because he aimed that cane straight for that knee and he connected. And you saw Goldberg's knee buckle. You saw it buckle when he hit it. That gave Lashley the open thing that he needed, the golden ticket to take Goldberg. It gave him the golden ticket. Now, you guys know, but from what I'm saying, Bobby Lashley retained. It was incredible because when you go into a match thinking that you are the top dog that you're going to be able to beat Bobby Lashley, you're underestimating him. And when you underestimate him, he shows you what he can do. And him and MVP showed their true colors. They really did. They showed what they could do. Gold, basically what happened was Goldberg, 
The only reason why Bill Lashley, why Bobby Lashley won is because Goldberg just could not keep up. He tried. Bless his little heart, he tried, but his knee just wouldn't hold. It would not hold. Medical stoppage. Lashley wins by default. It was an incredible match. But what happens afterwards is truly Bobby Lashley. It truly shows what Bobby Lashley really, who he really is, and why I love Bobby Lashley right now. Why I absolutely love him as champion because he shows what, what, what truly, a truly a champ, a heel champ can do. And he takes a chair to Goldberg's knee repetitively taking out that knee. I mean, nailing him. Well, in the midst of it, somebody jumps on Lashley's back and grabs a hold of Lashley. We realize when we see it, it's Gage. It's Gage Goldberg, Bill Goldberg's son. Lashley flips him over and puts him in the hurt lock for his troubles. Don't jump on Bobby Lashley's back. You're, you're just a kid. You don't know what you're doing. You're incapable of realizing exactly what this man is capable of. He put him in the hurt lock and passed him out. Lashley walks out, champion, walks back. Goldberg realizes his son's hurt. Goldberg is mad. We can only imagine, once Goldberg returns from medical injury, what he possibly could do. Could we see Goldberg versus Lashley again? It's possible. But will Goldberg underestimate him again? Highly possible. It's very, very, very possible. And like I told you guys, at SummerSlam, anything can happen. You don't know at these major... I mean, SummerSlam's one of the big pay-per-views. Living proof, Becky Lynch returns. So you never know what can happen. You never know. And with Big E being Money in the Bank contract holder, and he can cash in on anybody, you better have your head on a swivel. Better watch it. Leading to the next match, the main event. The WWE Universal Championship, Roman Reigns versus John Cena. If Roman loses, he will leave WWE forever. I don't like that. I do not like that stipulation. Not at all. After everything that Roman has done for WWE, I don't like it. I didn't like that stipulation when Roman set it up. I don't like it. It's both disaster. It's anybody who says, I will leave some, such and such forever, it normally it's not a good it's not a good sign. It's not a good indication of what's to come. I no offense to John Cena, but I told you guys this I could do with Goldberg. John Cena should never have been in this match. It should have been Finn Balor. He got his match stole by stole away from him by John Cena. It should have been Balor. To me, that would have been a better matchup. But no, John Cena had to stick his nose where it didn't belong and steal a match from Finn Balor. To me, that was not fair to Finn. Because Finn Earned his shot. He 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 did what any other person did. He stood up to Roman and said, "I want this shot. I'm going to take you on." What do you say? And Roman agreed to it. And then Cena turns around and steals it from Finn. That to me was not fair. I was not happy with this match. And then you had the stipulation that if he loses, Roman leaves. Oh come on, WWE! What are you trying to do to me? First you steal the match from Finn, and now you throw this stipulation in. I don't like this. It's a great match, guys. It really, really, really is a good match. It's an incredible, absolutely fantastic match between these two. It's, it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. I love this match. It was a great, great match. I'm not really a huge John Cena fan. I never really have been. But every now and then you get that feeling, ooh, could he possibly get it? Is, is there hope that he can be 17-time WWE Universal Champion? Is it possible? Nope, it's not as possible as you think. Because John Cena, again, just like Goldberg, 
underestimated Roman reigns. And I'm telling you, this, the tribal chief, you don't need to be underestimating him because he's going to make it very difficult for you. And he did. And it was an incredible match. It really was. Guys, go check it out on your social media. I'm telling you, you'll absolutely love it. It wasn't as good as Edges and Seth's, but it was a good match. It was an incredible way to showcase what Cena was able to do and what Roman could do. It was a great match. It really was to me. It really should have been thin, but eh, 601. There's nothing we can do about it. It was an incredible match. Absolutely incredible. Roman Reigns retains the Universal title. And I was happy because I was happy that meant Roman wasn't leaving WWE. I was happy because that gave me hope that maybe Finn would get to challenge Roman and get his match that he deserved. I was happy. The fans, yeah, they were happy. Paul Heyman was happy. Everybody was happy. But then the unexpected happened. You, all of a sudden, you hear that, oh, well-known to music that we all know. And the crowd literally popped because across the way, when that music hit, here comes Brock Lesnar. You heard me right. Brock Lesnar is back in WWE. And he makes his presence not only known, but felt. Literally, Paul Heyman and Roman are in absolute shock. The look on their faces is priceless. It says it all. Heyman looks like he's seen a dang ghost. He is he had no idea. It's genuine no idea that Brock was even there. It is genuine as genuine can be. There is no acting to it. It's real. The emotion on the color draining from Paul Heyman's face is as real as real can be. And Roman? Roman has this look of, oh, you've got to be kidding me. Look, you and it's obvious Roman had no idea. It's brutally obvious that look, the eye roll, like, oh, you've got to be freaking kidding me. Brock looks incredible. Little ponytail. He's got a beard. He looks absolutely bulked up, lost a lot of weight, got a lot of muscle. He looks absolutely incredible. Hard to believe this is the same Brock Lesnar that we lost way back when, that you know, part-timer who wanted nothing to do with defending his title. It was absolutely incredible to me. He really, really did. He looked good. He looked like a Viking walking in there. He looked absolutely incredible. I liked it. It looked me. I liked his new look. I liked it. He walked out there, got in the ring. Heyman, of course, quickly got out. Because Heyman is absolutely, he has that look of petrified. That look of horror. You can see it. Heyman is, you can see Heyman. His hands are shaking. He's so scared to see Brock. Brock literally gets in that ring with Roman and gets right in his face. And Brock makes sure. I want that. That's what I'm here for, Roman. I want what you've got around your waist. I want that right now. I want to go toe-to-toe with the tribal chief. I want to show him what I can do. I want to show the head of the table that don't ever overlook. I'm not here. I want to show you what I can do. Roman wanted none of it. And Roman grabbed his title and rolled out of the ring. 
and step back away from the ring. Brock the whole time never taking his eyes off Roman Reigns. Never. Not even flinching. This man stood there and looked at Roman the whole time. The crowd is literally going April because we just saw the return of the beast Brock Lesnar. They're literally going April. My mind is blown because I originally had heard rumors he said he was never returning to WWE. He was retiring from wrestling. And we had believed that. We had been led to believe that he wasn't coming back. And then he comes back not only at SummerSlam, but he comes back looking at the best he's looked in a long time. But the way he used to look back in you know in the when he's back when he used to fight in WCW, he looks that good. It was absolutely incredible to see him looking that good. It gives me hope that maybe he's not the same beast he was. You know, the Vince McMahon beast. He's something different. I kind of liked it. Roman, on the other hand, he didn't. And Roman walked away. Like, I want nothing to do with this. I want nothing to do with Brock Lesnar. I don't really care. Heyman's like, absolutely scared. You can see Heyman's scared. And I feel sorry for Paul Heyman. I really do. And I kind of feel sorry for Roman because to me that was not fair to bring Brock Lesnar back now. Roman's dealt with Brock Lesnar. He's dealt with those the, the, you know, with the beasts. He doesn't want to deal with them again. And I kind of thinking in the back of my mind, I'm hearing Seth in the back in the back going, Oh no, not this guy again. And I can hear Drew in the back going, Didn't I get rid of this guy already? Here he is again. Gonna be interesting to see what they do with this Brock Lesnar. This is a totally different Brock Lesnar, guys. You can look at it, you can see in his eyes there's there's a passion, a fire that wasn't there before. This is a totally different beast we're dealing with. So it's going to be interesting to see what WWE does with this and how they handle Brock Lesnar. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. But like I said, guys, this was an incredible summer slam. This was um, full of surprises, full of amazing things you weren't expecting. You didn't, I mean, you really didn't know what was going to happen and who was going to show up. It was incredible, but they really did show up and show out. And it was a really good, you know, really good to see them. Now we move on. To TakeOver 36 for 822. NXT TakeOvers are always huge. They're big. They're absolutely big. But of course we had at the beginning of the pre-show. Rich Holland versus Trey Baxter. Rich Holland has been absolutely. Since he's come back. He's got, oh, he's got my attention. I told you guys I love Rich Holland in NXT UK. So to see him in NXT. I'm excited. I like to see. I mean I felt bad when he got injured. I was afraid that he may not return. He made his return. He looks incredible. He's absolutely amazing. Trey Baxter from the breakout tournament. Got to give that boy props for props is due. He is absolutely a great in-ring competitor. You put him with Rich Holland. It's incredible. Pre-show match was amazing. It was absolutely an amazing pre-show match. Absolutely great between two competitors that actually gave it their all. Of course, Rich Holland, he did defeat Trey Baxter. But after it, he also makes it clear that he wants to face Timothy Thatcher and NXT. We know this feud that's been going on with Timothy Thatcher, Ridge Holland, and Tommaso Ciampa with Pete Dunne and Oni Lorcan and Danny Burch. So it's going to be interesting to see. You really want to face Tim Toothless Timmy? Have you lost your mind? going to be interesting to see if William Regal makes this happen. And if he really lets us see Ridge Holland versus Timothy Thatcher. Because this is going to be an interesting match. These two are pretty nasty competitors. This is going to be interesting to see what if Regal makes this happen and what is going to happen in this match. 
Now, we know what's been going on with Cameron Grimes and L.A. Knight. We know what's been happening with them, and we know this whole thing with Ted DiBiase. And we heard that he gets another shot at the Million Dollar Championship, Cameron Grimes does. But the stipulation is that if Cameron loses to L.A. Knight, poor Ted DiBiase, a Hall of Famer becomes L.A. Knight's butler. And they kicked this off in an amazing way. This was an incredible kickoff match for NXT TakeOver. Absolutely incredible. Million Dollar Championship match. Fantastic. This feud had been building up. This was incredible. Cameron Grimes, he's absolutely, I love him. To the moon, I love him. He's incredible. Absolutely incredible. He's done a 180. When he first started, I kind of wasn't really sure about it. He's grown on me, and I actually like him. It's an incredible match between these two. Of course, Ted DiBiase is out there, and he kind of helps Cameron out a little bit, but who didn't expect it? He's a million-dollar man. That's what he used to do. It's an incredible match between him and L.A. Knight, but Cameron Grimes really does give L.A. Knight a run for his money. He really does. He really shows L.A. Knight, you might have underestimated me just a little bit. You might have, Your little cocky little thing might have, you know, got the better of you. And it's an incredible match, but it does end with Cameron Grimes winning the Million Dollar Championship with a cave-in. It was absolutely an incredible match match. You guys need to go check it out because it was amazing. I was happy to see Cameron Grimes win the Million Dollar Championship. And for Ted DiBiase to be in that ring celebrating with him, that made me feel even better because I love Cameron. I do. I love him. And to see him as a Million Dollar Champion, it's going to be interesting to see where they go with this and how far they go with it. Now we move on to the NXT Women's Championship. Raquel Gonzalez versus Dakota Kai. I told you guys how I felt. Dakota Kai has been working really hard. She's really impressed me. And I've said a thousand times she deserves a shot at the title. She really does. But in my opinion, did I think that she needed to face Raquel Gonzalez? No. I knew that eventually either Dakota Kai would turn on Raquel or Raquel would turn on Dakota. I knew it was going to come. But I didn't think it would come at the expense of the Women's Championship. And I said... As many times as I can say this in the past, with all this that's been going on with this feud, that we were eventually going to see Dakota Kai underestimate Raquel Gonzalez. We all know this because Zia Lee did the same thing. Raquel underestimated Zia Lee, and Zia Lee really showed Raquel what she's capable of. So by, by Dakota going in and thinking, oh, I know everything about Raquel, I think I can beat Raquel, I said this from the beginning, She's underestimating her. She's going into this match thinking that she can beat her, and this could be her downfall. And, guys, this is an incredible match. This is an absolutely great match between two former friends who really, you know, that title is the thing that's keeping them, you know, got them feuding, and it's an incredible feud. It really is. It's a great match. It's an incredible women's match. I love it. It's absolutely amazing. Back and forth, I wasn't quite sure who was going to win. I was voting, you know, at the beginning, I thought, okay, Dakota Kai, she's got this. She's got this all the way. But, just like in the Usos match, they had me flip-flopping back and forth. I was undecisive who was going to really win. Of course, it does end with Raquel Gonzalez defeating Dakota Kai. But what happened afterwards was the amazing part. Dakota walks out of the ring. She's been, you know, she's been defeated. She knows she's lost. Raquel's in there celebrating a win. She's happy. I'm proud for Raquel. But then we hear the untouchable one herself. The former longest reigning NXT UK Women's Champion, Kylie Ray. She sets out and makes Raquel Gonzalez 
really shaking her boots. We know what Kylie Ray is capable of. We've seen what this woman can do. She is the longest reigning NXT UK Women's Champion, and she is standing there making sure Raquel knows, I want that. I want that, and you and I are eventually going to scrap for it, be prepared for it. It's going to be interesting to see what NXT does with Kylie Ray and Raquel Gonzalez and how far they're going to take this before they finally have a face-off for that title. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. Now, this was the match. This next match was the match I told you guys I was waiting for. This was the match that I thought I told you guys was going to be the match of the night and possibly the match of the year for NXT because We've seen this match before, and we knew the outcome last time, and I told you this was going to be worse than the first. And I'm talking about the NXT United Kingdom Championship, Dragunov versus Walter 2. We knew this match was going to get ugly, and it was going to get nasty, and it really was a nasty match, an absolutely slobber knocker of a match. We were not prepared for what these two were going to do to each other. And I mean, they literally took it to the limit. Walter underestimating Dragunov, Dragunov underestimating Walter. These two literally beat the living daylights out of each other. This, to me, should get match of the year because it was an incredible match. These two should be in the Hall of Fame already because they have shown what they're capable of. It is nasty. It is brutal. I mean brutal. The encounter the first time was vicious. This time it was worse. It was absolutely a blow. Bloody fight. Absolutely bloody fight. I mean, nasty, nasty, nasty. You weren't sure what Walter and Dragunov, how this was going to turn out. I was rooting for Dragunov all the way because I thought Dragunov, this was a different Dragunov that Walter was dealing with. This wasn't the same Dragunov that Walter dealt with the first time. But also in turn, this was not the same Walter that Dragunov faced the first time. These two really brought out the best in each other, and they really beat the heck out of each other. And they really showed what the you know, NXT UK is all about. They really showed up, and they showed out. It was an incredible match. Absolutely fantastic match. But, but, we have a new NXT UK champion. He is finally, Walter has finally been de dethroned by none other than Ilya Dragunov. I was Happy. I was so happy to see Dragunov get that win. It was a hard-fought win. It was a great win. It was a fantastic match. Gotta give props to Walter. Gotta give credit where credit is due. Walter did a fantastic job. He really did. And I gotta give Dragunov credit where credit is due because Dragunov did fantastic. It was absolutely amazing. Guys, you gotta go check out this match. I'm telling you, go on your social media and look up Walter versus Dragunov Part 2. And I promise you, you can love this match. This is a match for the ages. It is an incredible match. Absolutely incredible. Now, this one I told you guys I was worried about. And I'm going to tell you why I was worried about it. This is a two out of three falls count match between Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole. I was really worried about this because of the steps. The first step, of course, was created by Kyle. It was a regular wrestling match, regular wrestling match. I knew this was going to be interesting between these two because these two know each other so well. They know each other so well. 
Then the second step was created, of course, by Adam Cole. If we got to the second fall, which we knew we would, it was going to be street fight. I love street fights. Anything that Adam, when Adam Cole's on a street fight, it's amazing. We've seen him in a street fight with Velveteen, Velveteen Dream. It was an incredible match. So I knew the street fight was going to be even better with, of course, Kyle O'Reilly. Absolutely amazing match. I knew it was going to be. But the third step was created by Regal. And I was really concerned that if we got to that third step, it might get a little ugly. It might turn bad for either both of them or one of these or one of them. And this was the third step. A steel cage match. Guys, I'm going to tell you why I was concerned about this match. And I'm going to tell you why. And you, many of you may know, but many of you may not. We all knew that in July of this year, Adam Cole's contract went up with WWE. He basically went in and signed a free agent's contract, which would allow him to stay in WWE, to come into WWE and NXT whenever he wanted to, and have a match with whomever he wanted to as a free agent without actually signing a long-term contract. We also found out that at SummerSlam, this was going to be, unless he signed a full-term, long-term contract with WWE, this was going to be Adam Cole's last match in NXT before he became a full, full free agent. Speculations were running around and running rampant. We weren't quite sure what Adam Cole was going to do. And to me, I was hoping against hope that if this was his final match, that it would be a good match between him and Kyle and that it would be a fitting way to say goodbye to Adam Cole in WWE. WWE kind of disappointed me. And I'm gonna, I'll get into that in a minute. You'll, you'll know why they disappointed me in a minute. But the first match, the main match, the match, you know, the normal wrestling match, these two gave it all they got. They really brought out the best in each other and really beat the heck out of each other. Last shot, Panama Sunrise, Kyle O'Reilly had finishers. They were countering each other's finishers. It was an incredible match. It really was. It was an amazing match between Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole. But in the first fall, Kyle O'Reilly, of course, did get that win. First fall. He got the win. So then we move on to the second, sec the second fall, which is the street fight, which was, of course, made, that step was made by Adam Cole. This was a nasty fight between Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly in a street fight. It was absolutely nasty, 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 nasty fight. Absolutely incredible fight. And, of course, Adam Cole gets that win. We now have it one-to-one. Uh-oh. The thing I was afraid of. The thing I feared the most. The third step, which was created by William Regal. A steel cage match. This thing was absolutely brutal. These two literally beat the heck out of each other. It was absolutely a nasty, nasty fight between these two. It was brutal, brutal cage match. We know what these guys can do in cage matches. We've seen them in war games. We know what these two are. They're both great when they're inside a steel cage. It was absolutely, absolutely. And I mean, he stood, Kyle O'Reilly stood toe-to-toe -to -toe with Cole. It was an amazing fight between these two. But then, he puts a heel hook on Cole. Kyle O'Reilly puts a heel hook on Cole. And you're praying. 
Cole, reach the rain. Come on, reach the rain. Come on, Cole. Get out of it. Flip it over. Do something. Get out of it. Come on, Cole. You can do this. We know you're capable of getting out of a hill hook. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Nope. The hill hook forces Cole to tap. And he's handcuffed to the ropes when this is going on. Because of the street fight, he was handcuffed to the ropes. Kyle O'Reilly defeats Adam Cole in a two out of three falls count match. Ending Adam Cole's career in WWE with a terrifying and devastating loss. Security and the medical team had to have help Adam Cole out of the ring. He could hardly walk. He could hardly stand. He was leaning on both of them. WWE, you really upset me because you did the same thing with John Moxley, a.k.a. Dean Ambrose, when he walked away. You did the same thing with Daniel Bryan when he finally said, I'm done. I'm not doing this anymore. You, ca you caused him and Dean Ambrose both to lose their final matches. And then you turn around and basically disappoint Adam Cole fans all over WWE by allowing Adam Cole to lose by tapping out to me and being handcuffed of all things. To me, that was just not fair to how good Adam Cole has been. I mean, he's the longest reigning w, you know, WWE NXT champion. To me, that was not fair to Adam Cole. You know, that was not the way I wanted him to, you know, leave WWE. I wanted him to leave with his head held high knowing that he had accomplished something by beating Kyle O'Reilly. That, to me, bugged me. And that's what I'm telling you guys. That's what WWE is all about these days. If you decide you're going to leave, they're going to make you have a humiliating loss. And they're going to make sure you know your choice. The, the choices you made were not the right ones. And to me, that bugs me. That bugs me that they're doing that. They did that to him. That really bugs me. Really does. So then we move on to the other match that I was kind of excited about: the NXT Championship match, Samoa Joe versus Karrion Cross. I told you guys this was going to be a nasty fight. I told you guys from the beginning this had been building for a while. I mean, building and building. Karrion had pushed Samoa Joe to the point that Joe could not take it anymore, and it had boiled over into this fight we were going to see that was going to be absolutely brutal. And it was. It was a brutal fight between the Doomsday Sumacita versus Samoa Joe. It was absolutely brutal. And Joe's not missed a step. Joe was incredible in that ring. Absolutely incredible in that ring. I loved watching Samoa Joe in that ring. He absolutely, no ring rust whatsoever. Absolutely could go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Karrion Cross. They were countering each other's moves. It was an incredible match. It really was. Absolutely amazing match. Fantastic. Karrion just couldn't overcome anything that Samoa Joe showed, pushed, and pushed in his face. The final blow was when Samoa Joe used a muscle buster and Karrion just couldn't recover. There was no recovering from it. One, two, three. We have a new NXT champion, guys. It's Samoa Joe. And he is the first three-time NXT champion. Congratulations, Samoa Joe. Amazing. Absolutely, absolutely incredible. I love it. Absolutely incredible. Now I'm going to tell you guys something before we even go any further with this. I'm going to tell you guys why this is bugging me and why this is really, and many of you guys have probably seen it, but if you haven't seen it, you're about to find out. You're about to find out what What's really bothering everyone? And then you, maybe you probably heard the buzz and you're trying to figure out what's going on. Well, I'm going to fill you in. It has been announced that NXT is getting a reboot. Black and Gold Brand is getting a reboot. 
I'm okay with reboots. I'm all about, you know, hey, hey, let's improve it. Let's do better. Let's make it look good. But we like NXT the way she is. She's been absolutely dominating Raw and SmackDown. Apparently, Vince McMahon, Nick Khan, and some of the others do not like that Triple H is showing up WWE's Raw and SmackDown. He doesn't like it. He just frowns upon it. I don't know what it is, but Vince is just not happy with it. He's not happy. So he's giving it a reboot. He's changing the Performance Center. He's changing the CWC. He's changing everything. The logo will no longer be black and gold. It will be this weird-looking splatter paint with this weird... I mean, guys, you'll have to go and look at it. Go on your social media and look at this. This is absolutely... The death of NXT. And I, I'm calling it as I see it, RIP NXT. It comes out, the new reboot, on the 14th of this month. And I'm not happy with it. Because Vince is changing everything. Vince McMahon and Bruce Prichard, who I cannot stand, and I'm pretty sure of you in the WWE Universe agree with me, we don't like Bruce Prichard. We know what he did to TNA. We can only imagine what he's going to do to NXT. They are going to be producing... NXT. They're basically turning NXT. In everybody's opinion, you can go look at it on social media. Every sportscaster, every WWE enthusiast agrees they are turning NXT into the B show. They're basically saying, guys, the this is the stepping stone for you guys to go to Raw and SmackDown. This is not a show where you guys do better than us. This is not a show where you guys are faster than us. This is not a show where you guys, you know, y'all can stay there forever. This is a stepping stone for you guys to come to Raw and SmackDown. Basically, they're saying this is developmental. This is what it should be, and this is how developmental should look, not like you guys do. We all know Triple H, Triple H's baby. He's had him and William Regal have pretty much ran NXT since it started. They created NXT and now they're losing NXT to Vince McMahon and Bruce Prichard. We know what's going to happen. We already foresee it. It's the writing is on the wall. Every NXT superstar, if you go on their social media, you'll see it, has put RIP NXT. This is the end of the NXT that we all know and we've all come to love. I don't like it. I don't like anything about it. WWE is trying to evolve themselves into sports entertainment, not not wrestling. And they're basically going to destroy NXT in the process. There are rumors flying. Guys, I emphasize this. Rumors, remember, this is just rumors, but there are rumors flying that when they take over the black and gold brand and reboot it, a lot of full-time superstars who have been there long-term may be released. You guys know who I'm talking about. You guys know exactly who've been there the longest. We've got Johnny Gargano. We've got Kyle O'Reilly. We've got Tommaso Ciampa. We've got Timothy Thatcher. We've got Samoa Joe. We've got Ember Moon. We've got Mandy Rhodes. Rose. We've got a lot of people. Dakota Kai. We've got a lot of people who've been there, who have made the Candice LeRae, who have made this Il Shirai. You know, the list goes on and on, who have made this their permanent home, who have said, we do not want to go to Raw, and we do not want to go to SmackDown. We want to stay and work with Triple H. This is what we want to do. This is where we want to be. Apparently, Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard say, nope, 
We don't, if you're not going to move up, you got to move out. The rumor has it, and it hasn't been confirmed yet, but the rumor has it when the reboot comes, we're going to lose a lot of our full-times who've been there for a long period of time. We're going to lose a lot of our veterans, a lot of our veteran NXT superstars who've been there for a while. What does that mean for Walter? What does that mean for Pete Dunne? What does that mean for Oni Lorcan and uh, Danny Birch? What does that mean for Imperium? What does that mean for Ridge Holland? Are they going to go back to NXT UK where they're safe and they don't get axed? It's a possibility. What does that mean for Kylie Ray? Is she going to go back to NXT UK? It's highly possible. I would highly recommend it. If you think for a second that in this reboot your job could be on the line, I'd get the heck out of there and go back to UK. Now, I'm going to tell you guys why they can't touch NXT UK. NXT UK has a different set of board of directors. They have a different set of creative team. Their creative team and their board of directors and their president and their general managers are all from the UK. NXT UK brand stands on its own. It doesn't have to have WWE tacked to it. It really doesn't. So... Technically, Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard can't touch that one. That's one that they cannot touch without talking to the board of directors over there. So that one is safe. That's why I'm saying I'm going to see a lot of superstars, if this is true, that they're getting rid of the veterans who have been there the longest, we're going to see a lot of UK superstars who've come over to NXT jump back to the UK. We're going to see it happen because they know their jobs are safe there. They know they can't be touched. But we're going to see a lot of veterans who've been there for a while, like, Johnny Gargano, Tommaso Ciampa, to name a few, possibly gone. And that, to me, is probably going to be the end of me watching NXT. Because I don't like when you do re I don't like when you do reboots, and I definitely don't like when you take someone's baby away from them. And pretty much in my opinion, and you guys may disagree, but in my opinion, Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard are taking this away from Triple H and William Regal. I foresee Regal leaving too. I foresee him being gone. I don't see him sticking around to deal with Bruce Pritchard's BS. I just don't. We know what Bruce Pritchard does. We know what Bruce Pritchard's capable of. This man is a dirty, nasty man, and I don't like him. He destroys any company he ever touches. Look at TNA. The only reason why TNA still exists and the reason why it's impact now is because of Scott Demore and Don Callis and Johnny Dreamer. They saved that company. They saved Dixie Carter's company from what Bruce Pritchard did. So we can only imagine what Bruce Pritchard's going to do to NXT. It's the end. It's the end of it. I foresee it. It is the end of, of everything that we love in NXT. Everything that we love is gone. Because Bruce Pritchard, he destroys everything he touches. And you can only imagine what Vince McMahon is going to do to every single one of these superstars that are in that company. He's going to force them to either quit or go to Raw or SmackDown. Somewhere they don't want to go. Gargano has made it perfectly clear. I believe black and gold. I'm not leaving NXT. Tommaso Ciampa has made it perfectly clear. I'm not leaving NXT. He's not medically cleared. He's not medically capable of going to Raw or SmackDown. He, 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 his neck, his medical team has said no. He cannot compete in Raw or SmackDown. He has to stay in the black and gold brand because they don't tour and they don't, you know, they don't, they don't do a lot of work except on Tuesday nights and their takeovers. I see the end of this. I see an end of an era, something that we love so much, being destroyed by Vince McMahon, Nick Khan, 
and Bruce Pritchard. I see this ending. I see this going the same direction that TNA went. It, it, it's disastrous. It is absolutely disastrous for NXT. I just wanted to share that little bit of news for you guys because I know you guys are like me. You love NXT. Women, they've done so. Their their passion, their fire. We love it, and we're gonna miss it. And I wanted to share that with you guys so you guys can find out for yourselves what you're in for come the 14th of September. So you can be prepared for what they're doing. Because, I mean, the morale in WWE right now is already low. We've lost so many WWE superstars that were huge. So you can only imagine how NXT is feeling right now. I mean, you can only imagine what this is going to look like when it's done. I'm scared to see it. I'm afraid to see it. But, like I said, it's the end of an era. It's the end of NXT. And I'm really going to miss the black and gold brand that I love so much. I'm really going to miss seeing this every Tuesday night. I'm going to miss it. I really am. And I'm pretty sure you guys are too. Again, guys, I want to thank you all so much for listening. Because without you guys, like I said, there would be no me. There would be no In the Ring with Brandy. Tell your friends. If they are wrestling fans, give them a shout out. And tell them, hey, go check out the podcast. Get the word out about this podcast. Spread the word. Get your friends. Get on social media and have them check out In the Ring with Brandy. Again, guys, follow me on social media, on my t- Facebook, and on my Twitter at Wrestling Nights. Nights ending, of course, with a Z. And on my Instagram at In the Ring with Brandy. And again, guys, I want to thank y'all so much for listening. And. I love hearing your opinions, so get on there, give me a shout out, follow me, tell your friends, let's get this thing going, and like I said, guys, I'll see you next, I'll see you in two weeks with more In the Ring action, have a wonderful night, and thank you so much for listening.